The following program is presented from a position of care, compassion, and help. The opinions expressed are not intended to disparage or critique other companies, their business practices, and their method of treating their patients. Kolbarasi here, and I'm here with David Dardashti and How to Heal Your Trauma podcast. We've talked to a, about a lot of interesting things the last few episodes, and today I'd like to sit with David and talk about the safety of Ibogaine, a lot of myths or disinformation that's out there on the internet, and the real truth behind it. David, I'll, I'll let you open up a little bit and explain a little bit more about you know, the safety around the clinic and all the protocols. If I want to be very simple and to the point, we treated over 3,000 people so far. Okay. And we never had any problem with anyone having any kind of problems, health problems or nothing like that. Yeah, people are a little bit dizzy the few days and it takes a little bit while to to recover. But after like three days or the four days, that's it. A lot of them want to go home. You know what? I, uh, a lot of people actually bring this up because I know there's, uh, I don't know, people maybe Google Ibogaine, Ibogaine, Mexico. And there's a huge report that comes up about a businessman that came down to Mexico when he died. Well, if you dive deep really into into that story. The brother went down to one of these clinics and they left him in a hotel and the guy too was taking so much heroin and he overdosed and died. So it had nothing to do with even he wasn't even treated. So those people are not guilty. Right. Even people after the treatment. So after you get the Ibogaine treatment, right, your body and brain is completely detox of the substance of, of whether it's heroin or fentanyl or opioids. And if people choose to play with fire again after they've been completely detoxed and think that they can use the same amount, something bad is going to happen because it's like their entire brain and body is, is reset. And you, you can't do that. And it creates a lot of publicity, uh, bad publicity around it. Yeah, and look, it is if when a person takes for 20 years heroin or any of the substances, he gets so used to taking it that when he doesn't go home and he doesn't have any withdrawal, but he has that psychological feeling that he needs to take something. And some of them make a mistake, it's a stupid mistake, and they go and and they say, ah, oh, one time nothing gonna happen. Okay, now it may, may it may not, but they, they can relapse, and then the, a lot of people come over here, we retreat them again. Right. They, they, then they admit they made a mistake, they took a wrong decision. They were too fast because they had a fight with their wife or they had a fight with the husband or uh, with the kids or the, the business wasn't good. So they thought they're going to take uh, some drugs and it's going to solve the problem. And I know that especially everything I've learned from you is that we try to do a really good job of vetting 
people who are truly ready for treatment. They're not doing it for their mother or father or significant other or friend or whatever the case may be, society. They're truly doing it for themselves to be free from it, want to move forward in life, happy and healthy and, and the best version of themselves for themselves and for their family. Super important. Only people who truly want to be free from it and want to get help. I want to add to what you're saying. We don't take people under age 28 usually. Unless we can see either they're paying for it themselves or they are mature enough that we can treat them. But we try to stay above age 28 and up because at that point already, they're either they're married or they have their set up, they have a job and they're suffering and they don't want to lose their job, they don't want to lose their family. But when we get a patient that the parents pay for everything and they just throw it at them easily, then those are usually kids we uh, have a problem with, and I don't like to treat. I, we don't want to treat people that we know it may not succeed. I mean, these people, if they're not ready to get cut off and they're still immature, there's no reason to treat them. It's not expensive. There's no cost on your life. But that being said, insurance doesn't help out. The government doesn't help out yet. This is all, you know, hopefully going to be changing in the next several years. But, you know, it's not about the money. It's about helping the person. And the families, yeah, if they have to put up money for their kids, it's we want to make sure that they're ready and it works. It's not saying we don't accept people who are younger than 28. It's just that they go through a much more stringent process of vetting to make sure that they're truly ready for themselves. And I even go far enough to ask, the if he's uh, he's under twenty eight, he's twenty five. I want you to prove to me that you will pay back your parents. This money is a loan to you, and you're gonna pay it back. And this is the condition I will take. Yeah, hold a little bit of accountability, and and so they're it's something that they're working towards. It's not so easily given. You know, aside from the talking about these these horror stories that a lot of them are just there to scare people out of the treatment, there's a lot of other information out there about treatments that are lasting 36 or 72 hours. People are hallucinating. They're seeing demons. These are constant fears of people who call up and, and question the treatment. They think, you know, they're going to be in this 36 or 72 hour trip or experience. Touch a little bit more on on what the experience is really like, how long it normally lasts. Whoa. The, the, the time is between four to six hours only. They have noticed it, it doesn't, it's not painful. It's not a anything to do with the going through uh, suffering, really. What it does is just it readjust your neurotransmitters in the brain and in your body. And they are some a little bit dizzy when they, they get up, they get up careful. And 
then they they're not very hungry and then the day passes they're standing and they can already walk and take a walk outside uh, and just to be sure that we are not letting anybody go home having even a, a tiny bit of, of withdrawal we treat them twice if we need to even three times there's a lot of other places that at first or you know people in the IBM world or couldn't believe that we're treating people two or three times you know in 10 or 12 days it's all about the protocol and it's I mean, you can touch more on the protocol and dosing and all the things that go into the calculation, but I see you in the office, you know, up two hours before they find me marked. The protocol. There, you, there is a one protocol that Harold Lotsoff, when he started doing IBM, and he discovered it, he used the way the person, how many kilos they are, and you multiply it by whatever number and you give it to them. It's just, it's crazy. I have developed 300 different protocols, not one. Everybody is treated different. I have someone here now with diabetes. He cannot be under any circumstances treated like someone that doesn't have a diabetes. His treatment is daily, sometimes twice a day, in a smaller doses. A person like that, if he would get full treatment, he would be throwing up for three days. There is an understanding. You have to know who you're treating, what problems. I spend at least 15, 20 minutes, sometimes half an hour, 45 minutes with it until I know exactly why they came, what started them taking drugs, or why they have trauma, to understand exactly what's going on in their head. And they have to tell me the truth, and in the end, they end up telling me the truth. And then I'm ready to make the calculation how I'm going to treat, which protocol I'm going to use, to treat that patient. And I see it, I see you have two people the exact same, right? You do the full panel blood exam, everything looks normal and healthy, glucose levels, the weight, blood, pulse, oxygen, everything is is even line, right, between two people. But then you have one that has severe, severe traumas, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, traumas of war, and another who hasn't experienced some of those types of traumas in their life. How much trauma plays a major role in your calculation and protocol that's used where it's not just fully physical. It's, it's more in depth and people, uh, I know you've said this a lot with who have fear and anxiety and aren't able to let go, but they almost fight it, right? So I know you spend a lot of time with patients our team spends a lot of time with patients before they start their treatment to try to let go some of this fear and anxiety, to trust the process, right? To trust the fear, and they think it's, they're going to go through a major operation or they think something will happen. I have to calm them down and make them understand that this is not no danger. 
it's not uh, painful and you're just going to basically make an evolution through your body, brain and body and readjust the neurotransmitters that have been removed out of their places and misplaced and putting them back where they belong. And you know, it's nice to see that, you know, eight years I've been with you and, uh, you know, hundreds, thousands of people that have come through is how the environment and atmosphere of the facility of, of the clinic there, because the patients who come in with all of this fear and anxiety and, and, and you know, they, they don't know what's going to happen. A lot of the other patients who we just treated help with the process of actually calming people down. They actually help talk to the new patients coming in for somebody who's been there, you know, from somebody who's been there four or five days and who have already gone through a treatment. So you've built a place of, of love and caring about humanity and, and the patients after what just getting a treatment explain to these other patients, no, it's not scary. I'm not, you're not hallucinating for hours. You're not being re-traumatized, although you may revisit some of the experiences from your trauma. It, all it's doing is breaking those ties. And if you open up your eyes during treatment and sit up and take off your blindfold, things aren't popping out at you. You're not seeing demons. You can have a conversation like we're having right now. You know, you might be, vision might be a little bit blurry. You may be a little bit on I never, it's, <laughs> Even afraid of that. I never really, maybe one out of 3,500 or whatever had so some, and I don't know why, but nobody sees any demons. It's not bad experiences. It brings your past. You, you, you realize that you're suffering or you have a hatred for no reason. And uh, you learn automatically how to deal with it. I have people after the treatment, they have not talked to their parents for 20 years. And immediately the first thing they do is pick up the phone and call their parents and apologize that the way they behave, what they have done. A lot of people regret the actions they have taken in the past. It just brings them to reality. That's the biggest thing, bringing the person to reality. And once the, you don't have any more uh, withdrawal, I mean, they have, some of them need the help, need some, they need therapy afterwards to disconnect from that use of using drugs for everything. It, it just have become a daily process. Just you pop a pill every time you, you don't feel good. Every time you get upset or every time you, something wrong happened, you just pop a pill. Yes, it does take it for an hour and then it hits you back 10 times harder and stronger. So this, this is not a solution. I mean, drugs are not solution. It's a, yeah, it's a short-term Band-Aid to, you know, mask some of the pain. And there's even very, a lot of very high-functioning people out there. Um, people, especially the high-functioning people, get bored easily, right? 
and they're kind of looking for that that excitement and that high life and they just they start taking drugs instead of focusing their energy on something else or maybe they've gone through severe severe traumas and and the same thing is where their focus this is taking their focus off of what what has really happened and what's really spinning in their subconscious i want to expand on the trauma a little bit trauma is something that is when a person experiences trauma that trauma is two miles long very difficult to bring it into small size to face exactly what happened and get rid of it. With what we do here, it brings the concentration and exactly because it touches the subconscious. And they remember exactly what happened in that trauma and they understand that trauma is not happening anymore. It's, it's over. It was in the past. This is a common question. Have you, out of the thousands of people that have been treated for trauma and substance abuse or chemical dependence, have you ever heard of one person saying, oh my goodness, I'm re-traumatized because I revisited these traumas and, and et cetera? Have you ever heard of that before? Because that's a common question that people have. They think they're going to get stuck have, or bring I them back to their ever, trauma. I really have learned I don't remember anyone telling me after the treatment, oh my, I remembered my whole trauma and I'm just suffering. No, they said, I saw the trauma and I understood it's gone. It's just, it isn't sitting there like in recordation and it's like keep on buzzing in my head. Once they see the trauma is over, they understand through this that the trauma is not happening anymore. It's over. It was in the past. And then they give it up. Now, some people that need a little bit more treatment with uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, we send them to therapists, almost everyone. We recommend for them to go to a therapist, to go to a psychiatrist, and to go to many other uh, medical experts to check everything else out. And if they need time, they should go to sessions with them. But our job is not here really therapy but our job is to get rid of the dependency on those substances or when it comes to trauma bring the trauma up and see it clearly like it happened just now and understand it was and it's not happening anymore it's finished it was the past and that's we've been getting a lot of positive feedback about the integration and life coaches that we've been setting people up with when they do go back home. Although the the integration back into life after ibogaine treatment is, I mean, I don't want to say easy, but it's much smoother than some of the other psychedelic modalities that can sometimes take you out of out of brain, out of body, and, and put you into a realm that it's tough to fit back in the box of life. 
Whereas Ibogaine, people describe it and you can see the hundreds of testimonials on the YouTube channel. Almost all of them talk about a picture reel of just split second, split second, split second, going through their entire life all the way back to early childhood and everything coming together to make the sense, making sense and who they are, even, what their purpose is. their past, even their past lives. Yeah. I think people have even seen their past lives. I love that deep. Everyone remembers their childhood and everything comes up. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you this is the solution to obviously we need doctors, they need psychiatrists, they need psychologists, they need all kinds of professionals for many other problems. This is not something I want to tell you. You do this and you're free from everything. You're done. Many times they need help with other issues that they have, we recommend for them to go see doctors. And we know a lot of good doctors. And there are a lot, a lot of good doctors that after the treatment helps these people really think right and fall into a correct framework of life. Now that, yeah, you have all this time where your mind is free and open and you fill that time with positive behaviors, uh, healthy habits, building these connections with friends and family again, positive people in your life, uh, work. You build up all these structures and walls around you to not really not let the devil in again. You start building the, you know, all of the, these this around you to help build a, a beautiful life. And so, so if in the person goes to see a psychiatrist or psychologist and they can go on and on and while they're if they're on drugs and they withdrawal how would they even pay attention what the psychiatrist psychologist talking to them about that's a good point they're thinking of the next dose they're gonna do gonna right. take yeah they can concentrate than anything that's a good point. That hits home with me. Every time I went to go see my Suboxone doctor, I was just there to pick up my script, get my get my benzos, get my Suboxone, and be done with it for a month, know that I had this safety net so I wouldn't be sick. But it was miserable. I didn't focus on anything about how, how do I get off Suboxone, why am I so depressed, why am I anxious? I went there for five minutes, he wrote me a script, and I was gone. Like, never reached the, the root cause of why I was in this boat in the first place. So how could I ever get off of it? <laughs> and I want to say, um, you. we have been in it. I never thought in my life, because I was a, a developer, banker, and developed millions of square foot of commercial real estate. And I never in my life dreamed that I will uh, one day be doing this. I'm a rabbi. I'm not a practicing rabbi, but I have a miracle. I want to learn with the highest level rabbis there are. And I learned a lot and I apply a lot of that learning from the Talmud and Kabbalah when it comes to treatment of these people. I understand them. 
And I spent a lot of time studying the psychology or the the, the uh, intuition of what's going on in people's brain. And you have to understand what kind of question you ask them, how to bring them to admit to their problem. Many times they're so afraid to talk about it. They're embarrassed. And you they don't think there's a way out either. A lot of them are so afraid and can't be honest with themselves or others because they don't know a way out. And they've tried. They've tried programs. They've tried detoxes. They've tried rehabs. And they just cannot go through that six months, a year of putting their entire life on hold and getting free from it. People don't have that time. The world, the society is busy. You got families, work. People can't just put everything on hold for a year, which is why this treatment is so effective is because it's just days, just days to overcome it. And now, again, we emphasize, Cole, that we are not the ultimate. There, there are fantastic doctors out there, psychiatrists, psychologists, psychotherapists that can help these people. There are certain things that people have absolutely, we don't uh, make operation to people that have to, other problems, bone problems, uh, uh, and other issues. We are not here to solve every problem. We are here to solve the trauma and addiction. Uh, we can help with some people that have uh, diabetes. We have been successful in being able to reduce their the level of the diabetes. Neuropathy is a big one, CRPS. We treated, I treated a gentleman that came from overseas that was ready to kill himself. Uh, they had neurobal suffering from neuropathy and has gone through 10 years of everything else. And I spent, he was here about a month. And he left fine until today is good. So I cannot say to you 100% we can sell, but there are some psychological issues we are able to help at least to a point to solve, to help. You just made me think about, you know, my, my experience. Obviously, you helped me get off of the Suboxone and, and the benzos and the substance abuse issues and overcome some trauma. But really, what was amazing to me after is I was the type of person that would constantly bite my nails, tap things like three times. I had a set number. Things had to be organized, like completely organized on my bureau or on my desk. I flipped lights up and down. I had this incredible OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, where my mind was constantly being eaten by these compulsions. Or I couldn't sit still and focus on one thing. I was, you know, AD, like an ADD. All of that ended after my treatment. I quit biting my nails. And I said, I remember like three or four days after that first treatment, I said, wow. I said, simply that I haven't bitten my nails in four days is a blessing in, on its own. You know, let alone the suboxone. <laughs> it's I want to make one very strong declaration. We are not 
drug companies. We are not surgeons. We are not everything, okay? God bless the drug companies with everything they created, the antibiotics that I sometimes I get sick, I take the antibiotic, the aspirin, the all this medicine, antibiotics that they developed, and I really bless them for it. I have used it. I used their services and what they created for me since I was born until today. So I admire them. And I admire all the medical community, the amount of good that they do for people. How many people, are, what would they do without doctors, without the hospital, without the drug companies? Uh, they would be lost. So they have done tremendous contribution. And we are looking at ourselves as a, a little part of this whole big, revolution, big world, that we can also help with certain things that would solve problems of certain people that nothing else worked for them, or they have tried, and, uh, they failed. And this is a also a help to community, the that needs help, medical help, and uh, we are part. But we consider ourselves part of this community. That's a beautiful message there, David. To to close it off here, it's you know, open arms, joining forces, and just helping as as many people as possible, helping spread all the good work from from what's been done here in the U.S. and around the world, and and opening up. Uh, our arms to to everybody and helping share this information to to reach more people. I want to thank you for joining again today and and thanks I for everything. I just want to finish saying this that I really want to thank that there are drug companies that creating in there. I can go to any drugstore and receive something for my stomachache or or I have headache or or have a fever, thank God they are there. And thank God to all the doctors that I, I go to the other day with the doctor. I thought my, uh, my bone was broken. And they do a great job. And I admire and really truthfully admire them what they do. What we are doing, uh, what a little bit contributing to this whole society of the medical doctors and we don't want to be done trying to be doctors or psychiatrists and psychologists but, uh, helping with what uh, little that we can do to help people that tried everything else and did not work for them. You reminded me this a thousand times, helping one human life, one human soul means more than anything in the world. That's the reason I'm here. There's no other reason for me to be here because it's not money. I have enough. I have I was a, a big real estate developer and 
developed uh, almost every major tenant in the United States. Uh, and I'm not here for, uh, it's as a rabbi, as a religious person, as a God-fearing man, I feel that because I'm able to do this, I want to contribute my portion, at least doing this world before I leave this world, I've done something to the to the society, to the humanity, um, but not trying to. I don't care about fame. I don't care about uh, really money. Is that to me is is that the main thing in, in my life? It's a human being helping humanity is the biggest thing that every human being should think about, and if all of us would help each other and give hands and help instead of fighting each other, instead of going to wars, instead of competing, being partners, being helpful, being a, a family, we can really change the world to something much more beautiful than what it is today. And you, you look in the news, all you see is negativity, negativity. This one is, is planning to, to attack this one. I mean, the whole world is in turmoil. And it has to come to a point that we stop. I mean, the animals getting along already. I mean, I see movies of the cat. Kitties are drinking milk from the dog. Or the puppies drinking milk from the cat. So... I don't see any more a dog chasing a cat to eat him. As a matter of fact, he runs away from it. So the animals already have changed. For sure, we as human beings with the intelligent, we should change and do good to each other and help each other more than anything else. God bless you, David. I know you have a full facility over there, a lot of people that need your attention. Thank you for taking the time to share this knowledge with us today and this experience. You have a wonderful rest of your day. 